AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it's Monday, so you know what we're doing. We're telling you everything that mattered most from each game of the Sunday slate in the NFL. Week 13, getting down to the final stretch so you know that these results matter, but not just the results, what went into them and what happens after that. What's the ripple effect? We tell you what matters most, not just from the wins and the losses, but what matters most for the playoff picture, for the NFL draft picture, everything. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sykema. That is Connor Rogers joining you on a Monday morning after week 13 in the NFL. Here to tell you what we think mattered most from every single game. Some games, obviously, at this point of the year, more significant for differing reasons. But we're going to try to give you a little tidbit from each of the games that we watched from the Sunday slate. Connor, as we are recording this here on a Sunday evening, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. It was a another wild Sunday. I can't. I just sit here and can't believe we're in week 13. That's what keeps blowing my mind. It's really <laughs> right. I'm like, my God, where did this season go? And obviously, how tight everything is, especially in the AFC right now. So, mm-hmm. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing real good. Um, and I'm excited to talk about some of these matchups. As you know, there's a, a little fun element of this is that some of these matchups have a full on draft element now, and obviously mm-hmm. that is always going to be what we specialize in on this show. I am looking forward to, because we normally go in order, right? We go with the one o'clock games first and we run through that part of it. And then we get to the four o'clock games and there were some good four o'clock games and not just entertainment value, but also playoff implication value, what we believe for these teams, how they're changing races, like MVP offensive player of the year, who's getting Mm -hmm. the one seeds, the Super Bowl odds, all of that. So We'll get to that as we kind of run through these games in order. But is there a game in the one o'clock slate that you want to get kicked off with here? Full pun intended uh, for us to for us to talk about here. Yeah, let's start with let's start with a game that had a super high total and there was a lot of points, although it was it was kind of lopsided because I think these two teams matter so much in the context of the draft, but also in the context of winning soon and the need to win soon and how much that matters. And that is Jacksonville, Detroit, Trevor, for me, the lions score 40 points, Jacksonville, only 14, uh, not a good game for Jacksonville. There's not a lot of ways to slice it. Scary moment with Trevor Lawrence, but 
you know, obviously the Lions offense is a real thing to fear right now. What stood out to you uh, in this game? Yeah, it's, you know, we were talking in the pre-show and you were kind of getting to the point of the year where we don't want to sound like broken records talking about teams, but there's not a lot of new that we're learning. Like, I feel like I made this point about the Jags four or five weeks ago where it's just like, hey, this team kind of is who they are this year. I like where they're going. I obviously like Trevor Lawrence. It was great to see a game that they were able to cap off last week. I I like Doug Peterson as a head coach. I think they're going in the right direction. They're just not good this year. And they're 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 most of the time they're probably not going to be good. And coming off of an amazing comeback win last week against the Ravens, this week was a complete dud for the Jacks. Like complete dud. Travis Etienne fumbles the ball on the first drive that they had. It was just like, see ya, we're done. We're done. Like that's the hope of the game. The game's absolutely over. It was not competitive after that. The defense was terrible. In the secondary, up front, everything, they were bad. Trevor Lawrence wasn't good. The offensive line was bad up front. And they don't have enough playmakers in the passing game. So I wanted to so say... Is that a problem? What would you say? Is that a problem? Basically, everything's bad. Yeah, I mean, today it was definitely a problem. But I think, look, it's a lot of young guys. I think that they're, they're certainly a couple of off-seasons away from really, really contending. But I wanted to say that about the Jags. My main what matters most does come from Detroit, though. Connor, Detroit's sitting here. And as of right now, Sunday evening, Sunday night football, not quite in the books yet. Detroit has pick four because the Los Angeles Rams, they lost the Seahawks today. And they also have pick 15. So 15 is their original pick. They also have two second round picks. I I think I'm with you now. I think I'm on the train. Welcome, buddy. You don't have to use one of them on a quarterback. I don't know if you have to use any of those four picks on a quarterback. You don't. Am I saying that Jared Goff is going to lead them to a Super Bowl? No, I'm not saying that. But the Lions could take all four. They could bring Jared Goff back. And I think it'd be relatively cheap for them to bring him back. I really do. And you could use all four of those picks on solid roster building players. And if you really need a quarterback, get aggressive the next year. Sign Jared Goff to probably a three-year deal. I don't know if he's going to take anything less than that. So you make it a three-year deal. You put all the incentives on next year and like half of them through half of of year two. You make it essentially a two-year deal and you can move on. And if you really need a quarterback, you get aggressive for one next season. And that, that way, you are combining the slingshot of the winning window of a young roster that is getting better. And I feel like I like that strategy more than I do even them taking a quarterback at three. I shouldn't say more. I shouldn't say it like that more. But I'm definitely there where it is alluring. I've been running through mock drafts with the Lions, and it's definitely alluring taking those first four picks that they have, the two first-rounders and the two second-rounders, and using them to build the rest of the team. Keep golf for a year and then get aggressive for a quarterback if you really need to the year after that. So you don't want to be in QB purgatory. So that's where the one pushback is that I would have. If you got the number three overall pick, you got a chance to take a quarterback. You should heavily consider it. But I no longer hate the alternative strategy that you have been bringing to the table over the last couple of weeks. So is this music to your ears, my friend? I love it. When I look at the Lions, you have Goff under contract for the next two years. You can get out of it with not a huge charge. 2023. Wait, wait, he's on for another two years? Yeah, he's under contract for 23 and 24 at a $30 million cap hit, 31.6. Uh, the dead money next year is ten million. The dead money year after that's five million. Okay, so, so that's what I was thinking of. I thought his contract was up at the end of this year, but essentially no, it it is move onable. He yeah, signed at a 
a fine number. 30 mil a year for okay. Jared Goff. Then I know I'm, people then, don't. Then I'm even yeah. more okay with this. You roll with Jared Goff. He's 29 right. next year. He'll cost right. you 30 mil. If he bombs out in 24, you cut him with 5 million loss, whatever. It's nothing for them. So, yeah, roll with Jared Goff. And I think it's just the leverage they have in the situation is massive, right? If they were picking number one, I would say take Bryce. They're not. They're too good. They're not going to be picking number one, barring the Texans winning games and the Rams just never winning again, which could very well happen, but unlikely. Man, I just want to see Jalen Carter or Will Anderson on this team with a top five pick playing in that front, load up the defense. If a quarterback that you really like falls to you at 15, you can take him if you want. But that's another opportunity to add another player or you could trade out of 15. If that scenario is there, that scenario might be a little unlikely. If you want to take a developmental guy, you have you have the perfect bridge in Jared Goff. He's under contract for two years. You can take an Anthony Richardson. You can take a Will Levis. You can take one of those guys. You could take Hendon Hooker on day two and be like, man, you got to get healthy. But we have time for you to get healthy. The Lions are set up so nicely right now for a quarterback to sit behind Goff and have zero rush to play while improving what they need to improve. So, yes, I absolutely love that. Lions fans should be feeling good about the position they are sitting in. I have one quick take on Jacksonville from this game. Mm -hmm. I know Cam Robinson is under contract on big money for the next two years after this. Man, they they need better tackle play. The tackle play sucks. He was awful in pass pro. I don't, I don't think Jacksonville's line's very good. I watched Trevor play, and for all the great things he could do, there's a lot of times where he can start to play a little slow, and maybe better playmaking would obviously help that. But whether it's just slowly processing or loading up to throw, it's not every play, but once in a while, where a strong, stronger offensive line would really help. So. Uh, Jacksonville's offensive line has to get better. Trevor Lawrence is the future, but yep. they don't have the guys in front of him, in my opinion, right now. I, I, I would I would agree. I, for as much as, again, like my Jags take doesn't really change. Like I think the team is going in the right direction. They're just void of talent right now. They are. And I think the next year with this offseason coming up, um, hopefully with their top pick, they're investing in the offensive line. That's the one that I like more and more. I think that's the way to go. It feels like for for Jacksonville, but uh, that's my ultimate scenario for the, for the Lions. I have other draft scenarios for the Lions, but why would I ruin Wednesday show? I can't do that. I can't do that. To no, you can't. People. I can't spoil Wednesday show. What would they tune in on Wednesday for? How would we feed I, our families? Can't. Have I that. mean, can we have a combo one day too? And not now because we have a lot of games to go through. Like Trayvon Walker to me is a disappointment. I'm sorry, he's a disappointment. Look at the guys going off in this draft class right now. He's not playing like the number one overall pick. Let's have the conversation one day because I don't I don't see it personally. And he needs time to develop, but it goes back to the combo of taking him number one when brother, there's a lot of guys that went in the first round that are balling out. Balling out. You know what would really be a great pod episode is a full, not like a full rookie review of like every rookie, but uh, like a handful of rookies that you and I really sit down and we watch their rookie season to this point and almost have a rookie report. Like we each I bring agree. like four guys, five guys at the table. Maybe we'll do that for Thursday. We always kind of leave Thursday. We, open we leave the to, door open, uh, brother. Maybe, uh, maybe that's, maybe that's what we end up going with. Maybe you guys tell us something a little bit better, but I, I, I do like that idea. Cause I would love to go back and really put Trayvon and a lot of these other guys under the microscope and see how their rookie years are going. All right. Where do you want to go next? What game do you want to hit next? All right, let's keep this train rolling right now. Let's do Steelers Falcons. Um, okay. This will probably be a little bit of a lighter one for me. Obviously, two teams kind of out of the playoff race, not officially, but unofficially. 
I think my very, very standard take here is, is that it is important for Kenny Pickett to show this franchise that he can get them wins. And he's won. I, quarterbacks wins aren't a stat, blah, blah, blah. They've won two of their last three games, and Pickett has played, in my opinion, under control. I think he's played like a pro quarterback. I think he adds a sneaky rushing element at times that can be key uh, for them. So uh, actually, Pickett has won. Let me correct myself. Three, they've won three of their last four games now started by Kenny Pickett. So for the Steelers, to me, them being able to have any kind of positive signs that the guy they took in the first round last year, they can go into next year with confidence. I think that really, really matters at the end of this season. Yeah, and I'll go I'll go on the other side of the, other side of the spectrum uh, for this game on my what matters most. I'll talk about the Falcons. I've I've touched on it a little bit in weeks past, but if Ritter looks anything close to competent, play him, man. Play him. Like Even if, if he doesn't, can you if, find if, out for if us? If Ritter right, right, basically. Yeah, if anybody out there knows, um you you really just want Ritter to not be at the point where if you play him, you're going to ruin him long-term. Because I, I do think that that is a case, right? There are some guys that get into the league, and fragile seems really harsh, like calling guys fragile, but there is something to being the man in high school football, then going to college football and being the man, starting very soon, no matter what position you're in, having a ton of success, getting a ton of notoriety, just being able to play at those levels and dominate. And then you get to the NFL and it's just the best of the best. And you're maybe not standing out right the way that you think. And you're dealing with that mentally for the first time. So fragile seems like a really harsh word because it's, it, it, it's just that people obviously fragile, I guess is negative, but I don't want to be too hard on this. When I say like, if, if Ritter is fragile right now and his confidence is mindset, okay, then just keep playing Mariota. Like the year's probably a wash anyways. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're probably not going to catch the Buccaneers, but if Ritter is not in that state mentally, like if this dude is confident, like if he's, if he's ripping throws in practice and, and it's just a matter of like, oh, well, we're playing Mariota right now because we were, you know, in contention for a playoff spot and he's the veteran. Make the switch now, man. You're five and eight at this point. I, the playoffs got to be in the rearview mirror because for as much as you want to say like, oh, get in the playoffs, anything could happen. It, it ain't anything's going to happen. You're going to you're gonna lose in the first round. And it's like, it is more valuable to see what you have in Desmond Ritter, especially because what are the Falcons picking now? Falcons are picking 11 right now at five and eight. If you end up being bad, if you end up with a top 10 pick, shoot, even if you end up with a top 15 pick, top 20 pick, this quarterback class has enough intrigue to where maybe it matters to you at that point. But if you don't find out what you have in Ritter, at least a little bit more than what we have now, it just it's not advantageous to you. So it just felt like a classic Falcons game that we've seen so many times this year where sometimes the Falcons play their brand of football and it goes really well. Other times the Falcons play their brand of football and it's not enough. And this week, guess what? It was not enough. I do want to say this, though, before we move on to the next game. Shout out Chris Lindstrom. This dude is insane right now. He had Connor. He had a 99.3 PFF grade today. The scale tops out at 99.9. This guy had a 99.3 initial PFF grade. Incredible run blocking grade as well. On the season. All year. All year. On the season. Actually, I'll just say today's today's stat because it's even more eye-opening. 
He had a 50% positively graded play rate today. He played 53 snaps. You grading positively? 50. Now, some people would say, like, wouldn't you want to grade positively more than half the time? We got to understand how PFF's grade work. PFF's grades work like this. You can either get a zero on a given play, which means, I, I mean, like, you did what you were supposed to do. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It wasn't anything that really hurt your team. It wasn't anything that was an individual difference maker to your team on that given play. You basically did what you were supposed to do. That is a zero. Now, it's not a zero in the sense that like the grade comes out to zero. It's a zero on this kind of a scale. Outside of that, you have negative 0.5, positive 0.5. Then you have negative one, positive one, negative 1.5, positive 1.5, two, two. That's the scale right there. That is how every single play is graded based on what the expectations are and what you they believe that your job is on a given play. And then all of that, how many positively graded plays, how many negatively graded plays, that kind of comes into a one out of 100 grade that it spits out at the end of it. Chris Lindstrom had a 50% positively graded play rate this year. He is so far the highest graded, positively graded impact run, block, run blocking player, which is a lot to say right there, at 25% on the season. Next closest to him is 21. Today, he had 50%. I hope that made That's sense to people this, out there. Because that world. is just absolutely mind-boggling that he was able to grade positively above expectation on more than 50% of his 53 plays that he played this year. To put that in today. perspective... One of my favorite things about Icky was that he was grading close to 30% his final year of college. In, in college. That, in college. In college. Where Which I was is like, extremely impressive. And Lindstrom did this in an NFL game. So, great call out, Trevor. I like when we give guys love on this show that will get no love um, throughout the week, probably. One um, of the, one of the best offensive media. linemen, if not the offensive lineman of the year. So, I just wanted to point him out. Before we no, move on, it's it's huge for the Falcons under Arthur Smith because that matters so much to their offensive identity. Let's go to Packers Bears in this one. I, Green Bay beats the Bears for what feels like something that just you know Aaron Rodgers did the happens. salute. Yeah, yeah, just happens. But it's kind of shocking the way this went down. The Packers scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. The Bears did not score any points. The Bears scored three points in the entire second half. This isn't necessarily like a what matters most red alarm, but what stands out to me in this game is that, and don't say tanking because coaching staffs do not tank. Coaching staffs don't even think about the draft, especially this time of year right now. I just wish the Bears would try to go for the jugular with Justin Fields once in a while. It's like he comes out of the gate. He has an explosive play with the running touchdown, a couple throws. Looks really, really good in the first half. The Bears are winning going into the half 16 to 10. Nothing really happens in the third quarter. The Bears play super conservative in my eyes, and then they just get totally rocked in the face in the fourth quarter. And I I understand there are Bears fans listening to this that are going, hey, I'm so glad we didn't win this game because we want better draft position. And I agree with you long term. But these are the moments to me where I think you can put a little bit more on a quarter young quarterback's plate and say, hey, Go for the kill shot right now. Let's mm. see what let's see what we're made of because there's going to be a time where we think next year we're competing for a playoff spot that you're going to have to do this. So this isn't a blaming Justin Fields thing. This is more of a how the coaching staff called the game in the second half that I mean, you got to eventually try to figure these things out. And they just they just kind of rolled over in the second half in this game when they could have beat Green Bay. And I I, th I, I think that would have mattered to that team in the locker room. 
Yeah, I wonder if you can. I mean, I don't think I think I'm answering my own question here. I don't really think that you could do this. But you know how in training camp quarterbacks talk about all the time, like, yeah, I'm throwing interceptions in practice. I'm supposed to throw interceptions. I'm in learning practice. what I can get away with. Right. I'm yeah. learning what I can get away with. But of course, like training camp practice is obviously different from preseason games, and preseason games are different than regular season games. If, if the Bears are going to lose, which let's face it, they're going to lose almost every week that they play throughout the rest of the season. They're sitting here and currently have the number two overall draft pick at three and ten. Let Justin Fields rip it up a little bit here. Now, you don't want him to get super discouraged. Again, I think there's a fine line, but maybe there is a little bit of room to open up. Ultimately, look, the Bears are hurt. They, they traded away Robert Quinn. They traded away Roquan Smith. They've traded away Chase Claypool or sorry, they they. Uh, acquired Chase Claypool, I think has helped a little bit on the talent side on offense, but like defensively, they just don't have the talent there. The guys are beat up. Herbert wasn't in the game. Um, Darnell Mooney wasn't in the game. I like what Cole Komet's been able to do this season, but it's just not there yet. It, it's a lot similar of of how I talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're, the Bears are just, they're not there yet. The Packers, I, I don't know, man. Well, I, I'm sorry. I know I'm a podcast co- co-host and people tune in to hear my opinion on stuff, but like, I don't know what you do with the Packers. I don't know what you do with the Packers. This is a team that finished the last two seasons, 13 and three, had the back-to-back MVP who all of a sudden has just absolutely crumbled and become an absolute shell of himself. He still wants to play. It would absolutely behoove this team to play Jordan Love. Look what happens when you give them one competent young wide receiver like Christian Watson and they're force feeding him. And guess what? It's turning into wins. I don't know what to do with this team. I would tell you play just play Jordan Love down the stretch. They're not going to do it. I don't think they have the power to do that. The only one who has the ability to bench Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. I think that I, I, I just, it would be, I feel like it would just go nuclear if Matt LaFleur, if uh, Matt LaFleur, yes, I almost said Mike LaFleur. If Matt Lafleur was just oh, like, we'll get uh, to him. Hey, uh, Aaron, we're gonna we're gonna bench you for Jordan Love. I just think he'd go nuclear, and it's not it's not what you want to do with your absolute franchise legend who might be on the doorsteps of retiring this offseason to make it easier, anyways. But man, I just I don't know what to do with the Packers. I, I I feel like I'm babbling. I know people are gonna be mad at me for that take, but what do you do here? They have no shot at the playoffs. It's you're about to you're you're just playing a four year old quarterback. You're getting no progress out of this outside of maybe Christian Watson getting a lot of confidence playing with a future Hall of Famer. Offensive line played better today. I'll give a shout out to the Packers. Offensive line played better. That was nice. Felt like Aaron was very clean all game. And when Aaron's clean, look what happens. I think he's still really talented, but it's too late this year. Does it matter for next year? I think you've got to start making moves to figure out what does matter for next year. And I'm not so sure Aaron Rodgers does. So that's kind of my Packers take. Well, buddy, he has a almost $100 million hidden dead money. For next year 68.2 for 2024 45.5 for 2025 about 23 for 2026 so and he'll be 43 years old that season they made their choice already unless they he retires they already made this choice right which you're not wrong but they already made their choice so nobody's taking that contract no i don't think so either nobody all right moving along uh, Commanders Giants, a tie on this beautiful Sunday. Nothing <laughs> I despise more than a tie in the NFL. I almost felt like this is so bad that we shouldn't do this game, but these teams both have a winning record. They are both in the NFC picture. This was a massive, massive game. <laughs> Trevor, what matters most in the game that neither side won? 
both teams are good are good enough to make the playoffs this year in the NFC. Like that's what matters most, as is evidenced by the tie. Like we we saw them tie down the very then they're teams that are win absolutely ugly. It feels like every single week, but you look at the Giants' stat line and how they played the game. Daniel Jones led this, led the team in rushing again, twelve attempts, seventy one rushing yards, five point nine average. Saquon Barkley got sixty three rushing yards, but it wasn't a great average. Scored a touchdown. Jones two hundred yards passing. One touchdown, zero interceptions. Slayton still leads the way at receiver. And then on the other side of things, it's exactly the way that you think it would. Brian Robinson continues to be RB1 for this team on the ground. Taylor Heineke, once again, a very t- Taylor Heineke-type game. 27 yeah. completions, 275 Maybe Taylor yards. Taylor Heineke plus. Touchdowns. Like, he just didn't was, throw a pick. He he, it was the pick. no ads uh, premium subscription <laughs> of Taylor Heineke today. That's what I it love, felt like. I love the fact that he got both receivers involved. Obviously, McLaurin's been fantastic and with Taylor Heineke in the game, he clearly trusts McLaurin better than everybody, so he's given him a chance. Jahan Dotson scored an amazing touchdown today in case anybody missed that. My what matters most is that both of these teams are just right there in the NFC playoff hunt. I don't know if it's going to matter towards making noise into the first round, but they're both still right there, and neither of them are going away. They're going to stay competitive, and don't we get this game again? Don't we get... I believe we do. I'm literally Googling Don't we get it in like two weeks or something? So the Giants play the Commanders. Oh, my God. Yes, in two weeks. In two weeks, right? We get this again in two weeks. That It's so weird when they do that. They play a team out of the bye. I hope they tie again. That would be unbelievable. What if they tie again? And then tie in the playoff seating? What does it come down to again? The playoff seating? Yeah, if you you tie twice a year and you tie – with your record, what does it come down to? Now I'm Googling it. Hold on. All right. All right. Well, anyway, the Giants do play the Commanders. They go um, to Washington Stadium December 18th. Then the Commanders have the Niners. Then they have the Browns and the Cowboys. So I think that's a really, really tough schedule. Despite the Niners losing Jimmy G today, We'll see where the Cowboys are at. I don't think they'll be resting guys, um, but obviously it makes it that much more important that they need to actually beat the Giants. And the Giants have the Eagles next week, Commanders again, Vikings, Colts, Eagles again. So I actually think the Giants needed this game more than Washington, which made it that much more surprising how willing these teams were. I don't want to say to take a tie, but I absolutely did not see teams putting pedal to the metal to avoid the tie either so it's going to be the nfc is not very good as a whole Mm -hmm. um so maybe the giants are still in but i think it's a much more rockier road especially if washington can get chase young back at some point taylor no ads version of taylor heineke if he continues to play that way i can't believe i'm saying this washington is they are not in bad not in the craziest of bad shape right now it's it's nuts. Did you, uh, by the way, did you find the answer on that? Cause I just, that I don't. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. the following procedures would be used to break standing ties for postseason playoffs. Um, the number one tiebreaker between two clubs head to head best one loss tie percentage between the two clubs. Okay. So obviously like you got to tie there and if you tie again, then there's no head to head best win loss percentage in games played within the division. So then it goes to division record. If you tie that, then it goes to best win-loss percentage in common games. So I guess the common opponents, because they do play similar opponents because they're in the same division. And then it is best win-loss percentage in games within the same conference. Okay. 
There are 12 tiebreakers. I just named four. Then it goes strength of victory. Then it goes strength of schedule. Then it goes best combined rank among conference teams in points scored and points allowed for conference games. And then it's the same thing for all games. Best net points in common games. Best net points in all games. Best net touchdowns in all games. And then number 12 is a coin toss. That uh, Unreal. What's the furthest we've gotten is what I want to know. Man, what? here's my question. How do they, like, what kind of event is the coin toss? Is it like a lottery for the NBA or NHL draft where they, like, make it a TV special? No, do you, you remember... Uh... Uh, you remember Friday Night Lights, the yes. movie when yes. they when there's Great the movie. three the, there was the three way tie between the teams and they like meet at like a local diner and it's raining and like well, some like county official literally just Odessa like, Texas a little different but yeah that's what they need to do they just need to meet up at like a Waffle House or something and just flip a coin and the local B or the team account tweets it out we have won the coin toss we will be in the playoffs unreal. That it gets to that point. There has to be something more creative than a coin toss as your last resort. How about a skills competition? Oh, we're at 12. We're at 12 tiebreakers. Yeah. If you get to 12, you, can. you basically need you to can. have a Drew Brees competition and see who gets struck by lightning first. God, what a week. Who thought that was a good idea? I. It wasn't real, Connor. I, but the fact that they've staged it was an awful idea. We're talking about it, I guess. I guess we're what talking a day. about it. I don't we even are. remember what, 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 what I'm not co- giving out the sports book's name. They don't deserve it. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I was, I was they, literally, that's about... what they want. That's what they want. Okay. All right. All right. Fair, 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 fair. All right. What's next? What game is next? Next is Giants, Washington. You're both good. That's my, that's my, what matters most. You and I'm surprised. Genuinely make the playoffs. Yeah. You're going to be the first to admit. Yeah. I didn't predict that for either squad. So hats off to you. Jets, Vikings. Oh, um, you're up, buddy. The biggest nail biter of the one o'clocks. I'm just yep. double checking. Didn't Ravens was... Broncos, which in a little different fashion. Oh, Ravens the... Broncos was a little bit like, yeah, oof, nail biter. Jets Vikings was. I had people texting me that don't care at all about either team, and some people that don't even care that or much about the NFL, and they're like, "This is bananas." All right, so what matters most to me? I'll do one for each team here. Okay. Um, I will start with the Vikings. I think while it wasn't pretty, a lot. Their secondary being able to batten down the hatches in back-to-back stops in this game matters a lot to them because I don't think this is a really good unit, but they they can score enough and get enough pass rush that if they could just communicate and play average football on the back end, they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be okay and they're gonna make some noise in the NFC that just lost Jimmy G on the Niners. So credit to the Vikings secondary for being able to get those stops when they needed them most, when the offense really had nothing in the second half. The Vikings scored 21st half points. They had a monster second quarter. They were awful in the third quarter. They got the Justin Jefferson touchdown in the fourth quarter. The Vikings defense, which has not been very good this year overall on the back end, got them through this game, and that's huge for their playoff future. The Jets end, heartbreaking loss after the comeback, no doubt about that. But what matters most to me Mike White can play quarterback in this league. Mm. I'm not saying Mike White's the starter for the next four or five years. I'm not saying Mike White is taking them to the promised land right now. Mike White is enough to the next guy if they don't believe in Zach Wilson's turnaround. And that matters a lot for the New York Jets right now because, good Lord, 
if if you didn't have a Mike White, I mean, yes, Flacco had the Browns come back early in the year. Flacco did not look good at all. We've seen some bad backup quarterbacks. A lot of them had to play today. What do people want from Mike White? I was a doubter for a long time. And I, you can look up the stats, and sure, you see, besides the 369 yards, he threw two picks. One was a tipped pass that should have been caught or called interference. The other was the end of the game. He had to throw the ball. Yeah, right. And the play calling in the red zone by Mike LaFleur, awful day for him. I like Mike LaFleur, bad day for him. But what matters most to me, Trev, is that no, you don't need the question every week. Mike White, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Chris Trevler. Mike White deserves his shot, and Mike White is is not the problem on this team right now. And yeah, I think I think he'll at least make the end of the season very interesting for the Jets. So shout out to Mike White. Yeah, I. You said Mike White's not the problem. I I would definitely co-sign that Mike White's not the problem. There was there were times as I was watching that game today where I was like, I like Mike White a lot, especially given the context of who he is and how he's in the game. I think certainly yes. as a guy who started the season as, as QB3, right, on the roster, being able to come in Almost and play, got cut. Play, play, play the way that he has over the last couple of weeks, that's super impressive. If, if Zach Wilson was who everybody thought Zach Wilson was going to be, the Jets win this game. Because even though like they started super slow, if you had a better quarterback, I feel like that would have been mitigated a little bit sooner. And then that also would have been supercharged towards the end of the game. It felt like yeah. it was a tale of two halves with the Jets. And that's kind of just what you have to deal with with Mike White, right? Yep. The rest of the defense. And my one thing that mattered most is certainly the Vikings got the win. They need the win. They're they're staying in line with the Eagles. They're not in line with the Eagles. They're 10 and close. 2 now. They're close to the Eagles. They're staying within um, striking distance. If the Eagles mess up, the Vikings are right there, right? So they're staying within striking distance of them. They're getting a win. That's important for them. But on the Jets side of things, I thought this was a good game for the Jets. I thought so. I, like, I'm telling you, it was tough to swallow in the moment. Right. But the real post game of it, I was like, man, if you told us this a year ago for and, the New York Jets. And they started so slow. Like, it felt like oh, they started. Walk off the plane. This game was bad. And they were able to climb back in this one. And a lot of the big stars were able to show up. I well, think Wilson's as, as a superstar. Superstar. Garrett Wilson's awesome, man. And dude, when in the game, it, it was near the very end, right? When Mike White just barely missed him on that bomb. Would have won the game. Yeah, the right? second to last, the second to last drive for the Jets. Garrett yes, Wilson. Okay. Garrett Wilson finished with 166 yards. If what Mike White hits that throw, he goes a mile over 200 yards. So my what matters most, I think, in a more articulate way is. For as much as I give Mike White a ton of respect, especially for where he came and how he got this job currently, if they get the if they get their franchise quarterback, the rest of the roster is there. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Makes it that much more frustrating. If you if you take if you take Mike White and extend his ability just a little bit, like if you make Mike White a little bit better, if if Zach Wilson is even in year two what you drafted him to be, they win this game. They win this yeah. football game. They they need that quarterback. This roster is about to get to the point where you need that quarterback to just be like, just. Good and good and great some weeks, like almost like a Kirk Cousins type, right? Like, oh, you know, you, you know, you'll get Jimmy good. G. Probably. Well, <laughs> Kirk was terrible today, but you he know, you get really to, bad today. You get to you get to that point where it's just like if you can get good from a quarterback every week, and then sometimes you can get great. This Jets team's going to be really good. I don't know what the answer at quarterback is, but yeah, it's we'll, just we'll it's, have it's a that larger combo for the draft with the Jets in the offseason. Like, 
My thing is that is that Mike White can get them there. It's not a total bomb out. It's not like no, with Ben Shack Wilson fine. and Word He's we're fine. sinking. He's fine. He's enough to the next guy. Yes. That alone really matters. Yes. But you still need that next guy. Mm-hmm. I, I would think. Agree. I think, at least at this point. I would I would think that you still need It'll that be, next guy. Let's see what he could do. But yeah, we'll see where it goes. Titans right, Eagles. Blowout. Um, what'd you say? I said blowout. Titans are a house, man. Uh, there's I don't I don't know what else the takeaway is. The the, the Eagles. Wait, did I say the Titans? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Titans um, are definitely not it. They're solid, but the Eagles no, are. But yeah. I, I was about I was about to just say Eagles are an absolute house, man. The Titans have played so many teams so incredibly well all year long, and they go to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia just goes, okay, we're on a different planet than you are. And and mm-hmm. there are not many football teams. How many times have we logged on to this podcast for a Monday edition of the show, and we go. Titans are just going to, I mean, they just win, man. They just keep it close. And they, they, they scratch and claw every week, every single week. And the, and the Eagles blew them the hell out. This team is unbelievable. It looks like Philly's getting the number one seed. And let me tell you, if they get the one seed, they're going to the Super Bowl. They're not going to get beat because I, I, I believe, well, I even believed this before the Jimmy G injury, but if the Eagles got the one seed, I think that they would be on a collision course with the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship. But if it was in Philadelphia, I'm taking the Eagles. If it was in San Francisco, all of a sudden, we got a damn good game. And I think anybody could have won that one. But if it's in Philadelphia, I would have taken the Eagles no matter what. Unfortunately, the Jimmy G injury, we'll get to that in a second. That really affects things. But ultimately, I think the Eagles are Super Bowl bound. They took a team that has played tough basically against every single opponent they've had. And some of their opponents have been the best in the NFL. And the Eagles just clowned them today. They just clowned him. And that just shows that they are upper class. They are tier one. And if you give this team home field advantage throughout the playoffs, Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I fully believe that. Man, it's their house. You're, you nailed it. Their house. They are, you know what? blows my mind with the Eagles is not even so much the fact that we know all their high-end talent, right? But when you just watch somebody like Reed Blankenship come in mm-hmm. and make plays for them all over the place, and the fact that Dominican Sue was signed, what, 10 to 14 days ago, he plays a total of 24 snaps in this game and grades out off the charts in his run defense snaps which was their biggest problem and why they signed a guy like Sue. I just, man, everything's going right for Philadelphia right now. And a, a mini one on the Titans side. I love Traylon Burks. I was very high on Traylon Burks in the draft. Uh, hope he's okay. I know he went out with a concussion. Yeah. Had the great touchdown catch of where he suffered that concussion. You can't win that trade. You can't win it. AJ Brown just no. rubbed it in your face. No, nope. he just said, why didn't you pay me? Yep. You know, that, I just, you can't win that trade. And tough, some man. people counter and say, what if Burks turns out to be a superstar? And I, I evaluated Burks as being a high-end wide receiver and he's looked good, but AJ Brown's just, I think it also kind of does have this trickle effect to the team sometimes when you don't pay guys like that, that you are willing to let them go because you didn't want to pay them. And he just, boy, he just rubbed, he rubbed it in their face like we all expected him to. Absolutely cooked them. It was just, it was crazy to see. And McCreary and Fulton are good. The two outside corners for, uh, for, for, for the Titans. I think they're playing really well this year. And the Eagles just whooped them. They're right. right the, the Eagles are supposed to be a team that's this rushing football team, right? 
Now they're out here just killing folks in the past. Unbelievable season for those wide receivers and for Jalen Hurts, who should still, let's not get bored about it, be in the MVP conversation for what the Eagles are able to do. Uh, Last two games in the 1 o'clock slate, we got the Broncos and the Ravens. We got the Browns and the Texans. Browns and the Texans, Watson looked awful. And I I figured that Watson was going to look awful. Um, But the Texans are obviously worse they they have the number one overall pick right now they have it for good reason they're the worst team in the nfl um i wonder if we're starting to get to any like hot hot seat points for like casario i wonder if casario is on the hot seat at all does he get to do the rebuild right i I don't know i don't know i think he will this team's this team's putrid like they're they're really bad they're really bad and they're really young non-competitive but they are clearly very non-competitive. I mean, like Watson was as skittish and bad as you could be today. And I looks terrible. I would have told you that he was going to be terrible game one. And I think that a lot of people would have told you that he would have been terrible game one. I mean, for game one for him coming back to be Houston, I mean, we knew that this was going to be terrible for him. And um no, there were certainly a lot of Houston Texans fans out there today, was one of them. But it it just mm-hmm. the Texans Same. are they're just a, they're just not a competitive football team. So I, I really do wonder if because I don't have anything to say about the Browns this season. I mean the Browns are cooked, they're toast. It doesn't matter. I don't think. Um, but for the Texans, my big what matters most is yikes. This was supposed to be your game, like the Seahawks had against Russell Wilson to open the season. Like this was supposed to be your yeah. We might be bad, but we're about to get an emotional win here, and they stunk. <laughs> they they're extremely not competitive. Bryce Young could change a lot of things next year, but I wonder if Casario is going to be the guy to make the pick. I really do. My gut is he will be. I think the bigger question for us is, should he? Like, what has Nick Casario done? What what decisions has he made that inspires hope that he's going to make the right decisions, not only at number one, but with the Browns pick as well? How, How long has he been there? Two years, right? Yeah, I believe so. I'll I'll fi- I'll fire that up, uh-huh. and of course we could read his drafts really quick. So he took that job in 2021, yeah, January 7, 2021. Okay, so, so he got the so he got the 2021 two draft. drafts. Oh, 2021 draft though they didn't have a first round pick or a second round pick, so this one doesn't really count. They drafted Davis Mills. They gave Davis Mills a chance. I don't hate that pick. Nico Collins, I think he's a wide receiver too for him. That's fine. Um, Brevin Jordan. I, athletic okay. tight end they got in the fifth round that's again fine uh roy lopez goaded sixth round gotta give him the nod for that this is a safety roy, today go this roy. is a roy lopez supported podcast here um Derek singley jr i like that pick Kenyon green didn't love that one but whatever Jalen petrie i think he could be good but he's been bad at tackling john every mechie, tackle john mechie unfortunately obviously john mechie has the off the field medical um issues as well but i think he's supposed to be coming back at some point which i i really hope um yeah christian harris chemotherapy still i believe here christian harris damian pierce i I mean like but like nothing here tells me you should lose your job no i i don't think he's gonna lose his job i don't think you should i don't think you should be fired i don't think i don't think so either it's early because i guess it's early i'm not saying that i just I think the the Kenyon Green pick is one where I'm just like, <sighs> yeah, I mean it's bad, but every GM has their misses. I can't be that mad about it. Well, can't miss and in like, this draft, and like he might not be like a miss. Like let's give him a little bit of time here. Uh, sure. What about Ravens Broncos? I have a draft take for this one. Oh, please fire away because besides Lamar getting hurt, what a slop of a game! Right. And good Lord, I hope Lamar Jackson's okay. Um, 
John Harbaugh said the knee injury for uh, Lamar Jackson was days to weeks, is what he said. It was not season ending. Super helpful. Not clear. You want to throw is, months? You want to throw months in there as well, John? That'd be, uh, that'd be great. Tell me decades good. next time, John. He is year to year. Um, the Denver Broncos obviously do not have their original pick, which would be the number three overall pick in this draft, which I think would have been very helpful for the team. You think they do, however, currently have the number twenty-five overall pick, which is owned by the, which is from the San Francisco 49ers originally. They got it via the Miami Dolphins because that was part of the trade. So it's technically the Dolphins' record. They're sitting there at eight and four, right? Or did I do that wrong? Say did that I again. Do that right. Denver has Denver currently has the twenty fifth overall pick. That's yeah. It was originally the Niners. It was originally pick. the Niners because they gave it to the Dolphins, who traded it to the yeah Broncos for Bradley Chubb. Yep. Yeah, okay. I got this. For the Trey Lance, that was Trey Lance at the beginning. I was saying a lot of words. I was getting confused. Sorry for You got out to there. the end point. I got to the end. I actually, you know what? I said it right the first time. I wasn't even trusting myself. I think I threw, threw you off. That's, a, that's an important lesson, folks. You got to trust yourself. So anyways, the Denver Broncos do have a first-round selection. It's just number 25. My draft take is <clears throat> take a quarterback. Take a quarterback. Draft a quarterback at 25. Russell Wilson was bad last year with the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson's bad right now. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's going to be coaching this team next year. Sure looks like that probably isn't going to be the case. But regardless of if Hackett's the guy or not, Russ has been bad. I I legitimately would put quarterback on the table. Now, I'm not saying take a quarterback no matter what at number 25, but like Tanner McKee, Anthony Richardson, they're sitting there and 25 still on the board. Go take one of them. I'd tell you to take Anthony Richardson. Let him sit behind Russell Wilson because obviously you're not moving on from Russell Wilson immediately, but you got to get somebody else in that building because it's bad right now. They cannot move the football at all whatsoever. Hopefully it gets better next year because they've got Javante Williams to lean on. He's definitely going to help the running game. They've got nice guys who are backups who could be RB2s, RB3s. I've got faith there. I like the wide receiver group with Cortland Sutton. I like Greg Dulcich. I like Jerry Judy. I like KJ Hamler. I like Tim Patrick when all those guys are healthy. That's all fine. But Russ, I mean... You cannot let Russ just go into this thing with no other quarterback option. I mean, either it's either next year, it feels like maybe the year after you might get real desperate depending on how things go. But all I'm saying is 25 quarterbacks got to be on the table for the Broncos right now. It is that bad in my opinion. I agree. I'm fascinated to see one, who's coaching the team. Two, how they balance the personality of Russ, who from everything we hear, you know, probably won't enjoy that. Situation. If you can't take it, get out. You're I, you're a hundred percent right. Who the hell cares what he thinks? Because he's the problem. What's Russ's contract? I lit I have oh, no idea. Don't do this to yourself. Unless you want a good laugh. It's it's truly the definition of diabolical. Yep, there you go. There it is. For those listening just in your ears, Trevor's reaction looked like he just saw somebody's head slashed right off of their neck, like House of Dragon. All right, I take it back. You can't drink. He pulled the whole take. He pulled the whole take. <laughs> I take <you> back. <laughs> the what matters most. He just deleted it. <laughs> His dead cap next year is 107 million. Dude. 107 million. His dead cap Dude. in 2024 is 85 million. His Dude, dead our... cap in 2025 is 49 million. 
It could be the worst trade in NFL history. This might go down as the worst trade in NFL history. Because of the contract. This is immovable. So he's set he's 17 million on the cap this year. He's 22 million dollars on the cap next year. He's 35 the year after that. He's oh, 50. wait, there's more. He's 55 on the cap when he's t- in 2025. And then he's 58 on the cap, 53 on the cap, 54 on the cap for the three years after that, 26, 27, and 28. What? Who did this deal? Who signed this? All right, never I mind. Mean, so I mean, you know, like a good playmaker, a solid wide receiver would be a great draft target for Yeah, you have to you have to double down. You have to double down. If you're George Payton, you have to double down, you have to triple down. You have to sit in the smoky dark casino and take out every last loan you have. Yeah. And just keep putting your chips down. Man. And then when you run out of chips, you got to go to the ATM and pray that you don't get declined. I didn't know it was this bad, man. I didn't know it was that bad. Okay. Great. Do you have a well managed most from Ravens Broncos? I think we summed it up well. I okay. will say. Yep. I'm a Tyler Huntley fan. I just oh, want to make Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really excited to see what the offseason holds for Tyler Huntley, who I believe is an RFA. Let me double check mm-hmm. this right now. Um, I know he is definitely some kind of free agent because Tyler Huntley obviously was um yeah, so he's an RFA after this year. Obviously, the Ravens He's a very valuable backup quarterback. I'm assuming they'll tender him. There's something to me, intrigue-wise, about what can Tyler Huntley be versus what I know a lot of the middle-tier veterans are. I'll just say that. That's fair. There's a mini mini take. All right, 4 o'clock. Before we get into 4 o'clock, I I do have to read an ad. And I'm just going to let you know. It's shorter than what Russell Wilson's contract implications, at least. It is. This is a Manscaped ad. This is the wildest manscape copy that they have given us yet. So That's I just saying something. I wanted to prepare you and I want to prepare the good people. Because you got to hang on to your butts with this one. All right. Yeah. You got hairy balls? Here's something for you. It's basically that, but <laughs> even more clever. It's never right. too early to play holiday music. And it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's a friend or the friend in your pants. You can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have people thinking all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com. Use the promo code NFLSC for free shipping and 20% off. How are we doing, Connor? Because I'm only halfway through the ad. You hanging on there? I'll keep riding. I'm in the holiday spirit right now. Okay, here we go. Up top and down low. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything you need to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anybody in the holiday spirit. And for the perfect stocking stuffer, add the brand new Body Buffer, which is an incredible body scrub that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than using that old loofah. Save 25% or sorry, just 20% off plus free shipping makes up for it by going to manscaped.com using the promo code NFLSC. That's right, 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com using the promo code NFLSE. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all. Oh, oh, from Manscaped, 
your balls will thank you. Sorry, I missed a uh, miss where we were in the sheet. Incredible. They outdid themselves on that one. Yeah, that one was actually took like real had a theme. It had a theme. It has everything you need to deck the halls from face to balls. Just, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's poetry. Oh, Buy the man. freaking products, people. Lord. What more of an well endorsement done. can we give you? Okay. Uh, let's hit let's hit the games I think we're gonna talk um not as many words about, and that is Seahawks Rams and then Chargers Raiders. Do you have a Seahawks Rams take? Yeah, I what do we got? The Seahawks escape with the win, right? We're in a very scary situation for them. Gino gets it done. Gino had a big, big game, yeah, stats wise and just yeah. really overall. Um, with the random reemergence of Cam Akers on the Rams side of this. To me, I think what matters most to me right now, because we're looking at the Seahawks in the thick of things in a playoff hunt, you got to be still really concerned with their defense as a whole in sure. this one right now. I think that's what matters most to me is that Seattle can't afford games like, like this against a Rams team that just has nothing right now. They have no talent on the field. No talent on the field. So I think the it's a little bit of a lighter panic alarm because Seattle did get away with the win, and that's super, super important. Gino played really well. We've been adamant that Gino is going to be their quarterback despite being a free agent. He's yep. going to be their quarterback of the future. Kenneth Walker getting hurt obviously was tough, but I, I just look at Seattle's defense and go, man, you know, it's a good thing they have the capital to do so because this is this is a unit that not only needs to get healthy in the offseason but they just they need to add more talent really yeah, badly they do. really and, badly and they're, they're um, ah, this is mean trevor this is ahead. not gonna be received well i guess my what matters most after saying all that i just think they're a pretender i really do and i'll hmm. i will raise my hand if i am i am wrong this is not a good conference and they're not one of the teams in this conference that i think are for real because of their defense, offense is yeah. So I mean, much like down. that's that's fair. I mean, like you're, you're what are you? You're saying that the Seahawks aren't going to beat the Niners, the Eagles, or the Vikings, right? That's basically what you're saying. Or the Cowboys. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. So, yeah, then you definitely think they're a pretender. Um, I do think yeah. it's funny because you're like, oh, Am- Cam Akers, big reemergence. He averaged three point five yards per carry. <laughs> Sixty yards he, and seventy carries. He got carries. the ball. That's he got two touchdowns. You're right. You're right. You're He's right. Playing you're right. football again. No, he is. He is. He is. You're right. Uh, my one thing that matters most is. You got to sign Gino. I mean, like, if there was any well, debate before sure. this, I mean, like, we're signing Gino. Where you, you don't even need to entertain a quarterback, even though they currently have the number four overall pick in the draft. I think Gino's your guy. You you just got to make Gino your guy. He had so many big time throws this game. It was fantastic to watch. That last touchdown at DK Metcalf was nothing more than just confidence in his arm and his guy to make it done. DK and Jalen Ramsey were going back and forth all game. They were talking smack to each other all game long. DK Metcalf gets a little drag route over the middle throughout through the end zone. Jalen is right on him when he goes to curve that that uh, that drag route. Jalen is like in his hip pocket and DK still puts up his hand like throw me the ball. And he's not really that open. Gino just boom, puts the ball exactly where it needs to go. Jalen had fantastic coverage on him and DK just too strong. Boxed him out, was able to get the touchdown. I mean, that was awesome to see. You can't get rid of a quarterback like that who's able to do that kind of stuff for your team with that kind of chemistry. So you got to resign Gino. Another thing that matters most, Came up with this when uh, myself, Mike Renner, and Stone Rochelle were all watching the games today. We watched Tyreek Woolen because he made a couple of big plays. And when one of the big plays that he made, I was like, "You got we, we got to come up with a nickname for Tyreek Woolen. I was like, it's got to be something like, can we call him like the sheep? 
you know, like, like, like it's something because it's like wool, you know, like, so like someone was naming you like call him the sheep, whatever. And I'm like, nah, like the sheep's not that, not, a, not that intimidating. And then I think it was Renner who just goes, what about like something with cashmere? And we're like, wow, the cashmere king. Cause cashmere is made out of wool. Cashmere's made out of wool. And how smooth is that nickname? Right. The cashmere king, Tariq Woolen. That's my what matters most is that we have that nickname. That's nice. That's real nice. I, it's funny. I guess on the same show, I call Seattle for tenders. I just, I love everything about their future. I know. So do I. Like with the Geno situation, how, how high powered their offense is with Kenneth Walker. Hopefully he's healthy. He could stay healthy. Um, and the fact they have the top five pick that could be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I mm. just, I love Seattle's future and think they're going to be, they're going to be really scary next year. So go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, I was, I was about I was to move, move on to the next on. one. So what were you going to do? Scary. Move us on. Oh, wow. Okay. Because <laughs> we're connected. Go Dolphins baby. Niners. Yeah. You want to do Dolphins Niners next? Yeah. Okay. So the, what matters most in this game could be the laundry list of injuries. So let me just put all those aside to mm-hmm. not do the, Hey, here's what you're going to hear about on every single other podcast show. Yada, yada. I think Nick Bosa is the defensive player of the year right now. I think that's what matters most. And he was sick. He was sick. I know coming into the weekend, Micah Parsons was, I almost believe, minus money. That's how much of the favorite he was. While Nick Bosa was, he was significant. It wasn't even like a race at this point, which always surprised me. And Micah's amazing, an amazing player. Amazing player. There's no doubt about it that this is, this is definitely, I think my point is it's a conversation. But Nick Bosa would be my pick to be, the defensive player of the year. He had like the three person. sacks, forced fumble. He has 14 and a half sacks on the year. I just, he wrecks games. He wrecks games. And I know there are other, like you can make the argument for Micah as well, but on a day they lose Jimmy G, they needed Nick Bosa to wreck this game. And he did. And now you're looking at a player that he, obviously had the season ending injury in 2020 to start the year, right? He comes back in 2021, he has 15 and a half sacks and 21 tackles for a loss. This year, he now has 14 and a half sacks already. He's going to hit, tw- he could hit 20 sacks. Mm-hmm. It's just an insane he, player. An yeah, insane Mike, player. Mike is minus money. That's Wasn't Bosa like plus 600? What uh, was he in the stratosphere? I have um, Micah being minus 1,200 and Nick Bosa being plus 1,100. That's not even like a, that's a no contest. Right. That's like a no contest. I don't, essentially. I, I, I am not necessarily saying that Nicholas is blowing out Micah Parsons now. I'm saying I don't understand why this is not a contest. That's the better bet. Nick Bose is the better bet for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, so. my takes. Well, before I read we have to talk you, Miami, of course, because they, they matter I, so much. I, and in the I, NFL I will, I will in a second. Obviously, the yeah. Niners win this game 33 17. Uh, it was close a little bit, but man, the Niners really pulled away and it felt like they pulled away emphatically. So um, it, it felt very one sided for a long time. I would have told you before Jimmy G's injury that the 49ers are the scariest team in the NFC. I would have told you so before, too. before Jimmy G's injury that I understand that the, Eagles have a substantial lead on them when it comes to the one seed, but just the way that the Niners are playing, how dominant this defense is and the playmakers they have on that defense. You pair that with an experienced quarterback, a good O-line and all the weapons that they have. 
nobody wants to play the 49ers. Home, away, night, day, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, Tuesday night. It doesn't matter. Nobody wants to play the 49ers. Nobody. Not even the best teams in the NFL right now. So I would have told you they're the scariest team in the NFL. And now Jimmy Grapple is out for the year. He's got a broken foot. He's going to have to have surgery. they got to clean a lot of that stuff up. Trey Lance is already out for the year with an injury. They played Brock Purdy today. And credit to Brock Purdy, who looked better. Capable. More capable than I expected. Brock Purdy looked better in this NFL game than he has since he was a freshman at Iowa State. Great take. Because Brock Purdy came on, I believe it was as a redshirt freshman at, at Iowa State. And everybody was like, this guy's the next guy. And then the next year came and we actually put an NFL draft microscope underneath him. And we went, no, he's not. What happened? And then he yeah. just turned out to be extremely mid over the next handful of years that he was still at Iowa State. Ends up being Mr. Irrelevant in this past draft and comes in and, again, like looks better than... Than he did in college. So incredible job. Shanahan by, effect. Yeah, the, I mean, the Shanahan system is just unbelievable. So clearly they're, they're still a force with Brock Purdy, but I'm not going to sit here and trust him over teams like Philadelphia um, when it comes to winning in the playoffs. I, I'm not. On the other side of things, I don't think the Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders. I don't. Ooh. I just don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. Now, that does not take away from the fact that I think the Dolphins could make it into the playoffs, get a, get a matchup against literally anybody. I think the Dolphins could beat anybody any given week. I still believe that's true. But do I believe the Dolphins and Tua specifically can be consistent enough to win three or four games in a row to either get to or win a Super Bowl? I don't. I don't. And today... He played a really great defense and against really great defenses that he's going to see in, in the NFL or sorry, in the playoffs. I don't have faith to him in him to string things together. I just don't right now. And so if you want to call me a two hater because of it, that's fine. I still believe that any given week they can beat any NFL team because of how great that offense is, but can they do it consistently week in and week out against the best teams going through the playoffs? I don't believe they can do that anymore. So where I think the dolphins are dangerous I do not consider them a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. That is my take. They are, they ran into a laundry list of injuries today. And the, you know, we'll see the latest on Tua. Teron Armstead's been dealing with t- upper and lower body injuries. Waddle got hurt. I'm not making mm-hmm. excuses for the Dolphins. They lost this game, a game that Brock Purdy played a lot of the game. Okay. So you just have to wonder how much durability it will also factor into, you know, how far they can go. So that AFC race, man. Woo, buddy. We can continue that talk because Chiefs-Bengals has every bit of to do with it right now. The Chiefs lose to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The Bills go back into the number one seed. The Bengals go to eight and four and stay right in the thick of it right now. So you have, <laughs> in this AFC playoff race, you have the Bills right now set up to get the bye. So much could change. But the Chiefs and Titans as division winners. You've got the Bengals and Ravens going back and forth. You've got the Dolphins and Jets still in the playoff seating as well. They play each other to end the year. There is so much going on. And then you still have the Chargers who will get there too. And the Patriots, those teams have not done themselves any favors to get back into the seating. Chiefs-Bengals, Trevor. Not a good day to be Justin Reed. <laughs> I mean, why, why would you do that? 
you're talking you're talking about the, him uh you know, nobody shuts down this Bengals wide receiver core you're talking about the twitter beef they had leading up to the week right yeah and then jamar chase letting them know about it in the game the, I, the chiefs always have this game at some point the chiefs always have this game where they they lose late-ish in the year then they get right I, the chiefs today and for a while have been my super bowl pick they're the mm. only team I have a ticket on from the summer, from like June or July. Mm-hmm. Full transparency. They always have this game. I There is no... Well, there is something alarming, and it goes to the Bengals' point. The Chiefs' secondary has questions, but I feel like the Chiefs' secondary always has these questions at this point of the year. That's what matters most to me for the Chiefs' side. Um, if you have an overwhelming Bengals take, I'd like you to go first, just so I don't steal this whole game. Because this was a thriller, obviously. I do okay. have an overwhelming Bengals take. Um, fire, my fire my what matters most comes from the Cincinnati Bengals. All of a sudden, the Cincinnati Bengals are one game out of the one seed. With they now are the, terrifying. With with now with now the tiebreaker over Kansas City, they will potentially have the tiebreaker over the Ravens because they play at the very end of the year, is the very last game of the year. So depending on what the score is there, because they lost to the Ravens early on. But depending on what the score is and how bad they might beat the Ravens, if they beat the Ravens at the end of the year, I believe that is in Cincinnati. Yes, it has to be in Cincinnati um, because they've only lost one game at home this year, and it was the very first game against the Steelers. They will also play the Buffalo Bills the week before they play the the Ravens, so they will have a chance to get the tiebreaker over the Buffalo Bills. And they're home. So the Bengals have the ability to get the tiebreaker over – let me make sure I have this right for – every team – including the Miami Dolphins because they beat Miami in week four. They have, they are one game back of the number one seed and they will have the ability to own the tiebreaker over every team. If Cincinnati gets the one seed, I think a lot of the teams in the AFC are in trouble. I talked on this podcast a couple of times before about how incredible home field advantage has been from for Cincy over the last year and a half. I believe they've won seven of their last eight games at home going back to last year in the regular season and in the playoffs. And the one game that they lost at home was that crazy, weird, didn't make any sense, almost throw it out the window week one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You take that game out and they are perfect at home over the last like year and a half. This team is firing on all cylinders. Lou Anarumo is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Could be a head, could be a head coach very soon if he wants to climb that ladder and get to that point. Zach Taylor has figured out this offense. Joe Burrow has is playing unbelievably well. They got an, a hundred yard rusher without Joe Mixon in this game. Samaj P. Ryan got over a hundred yards in this game. T. Higgins is still an absolute animal, even with Jamar Chase back. And Jamar Chase, of course, proving that he is one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. This team is so damn good. And unless they go up against a defensive line that can get after the O-line bad enough to put Joe Burrow on his butt before he can throw the ball, I don't know how you beat this Bengals team. I just don't know how you beat them. Their weaknesses are so few and far between. So this is the Bengals are not just a legit playoff team. They are not just a legit division contender. They are a legit Super Bowl contender. I wasn't sure if I was going to get there this year. I thought a little bit of what they did last year was fluky. They're proving that it's not. This is a legit Super Bowl team this year, and as long as they stay healthy, they could absolutely get to the Super Bowl again this year. I remember how much we preached not to overreact to the Bengals' start because Joe Burrow did not have a summer. He did not have a summer. Mm-hmm. Didn't September the was at all. Joe Burrow's preseason. Yep, Joe Burrow is unbelievable, and everything 
is going right for Cincinnati right now. We talked about the Spartan style defense. No yet, no franchise name, right? The Bengals don't have a Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons on defense, Miles Garrett. They have really good players, but they play as a unit as much as anybody. Lou Anaromo from New York. Uh the Bengals shout out. Shout out. So the bang here's why I love more to even emphasize your point before we move on. The Bengals play the Browns at home next week. Mm-hmm. Their two road games are back to back through the rest of the year at the Bucks. Sorry, Trevor. At the Patriots. Dub. Dub. Then they finish both at home. Bills and Ravens. Mm-hmm. You can make the argument that the Bengals are the biggest control their destiny team yes 100%. out of any non out of any non one seed so 100%. the bills and eagles don't count here they're they a wild the big, card team right now they are the biggest control your destiny team in the nfl that's not a number one seed yeah. in a sense that i'm betting on them betting on them it's a bangle what's the bang and we'll see where lamar jackson's injury goes which is really unfortunate but it's reality of the sister uh the situation right now what's the thing all right Hold on, what's the Bengals Super Bowl? Bengals Super Bowl odds right now is plus eleven hundred. Very interesting. Very not the worst bet. Very interesting. Last game, Chargers Raiders. Raiders do it again. Don't know how. Don't know why. Well, no, of course I know how. It's 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 on the back of Josh Jacobs and and from an unbelievable performance. From Devontae Adams. I mean, uh, yeah. that man went from another into planet. God mode against the Chargers. That was just one of the most insane wide receiver performances we have seen so far this year. Connor, do you have a take from this one? Raiders become victorious again. They move on to five and seven on the year as their record, while the Chargers drop to six and six. What's your thoughts on this one? So I have plenty of really bad takes, predictions, all those things. I we have to do a weekend winner on NBC's fantasy happy hour when we close mm-hmm. out the show Fridays. Mm-hmm. And my weekend winner was the Raiders to upset the Chargers. And the reason was why I'm not surprised by this game is because the Chargers cannot stop the run. And the Chargers can barely play defense at all. I look at this game, Trevor, and go, if you're Brandon Staley and company, mm-hmm. you knew exactly what was coming. You have a reputation of being a poor run defense team, not a good defense as a whole. You're playing the leading rusher in the NFL, the leading rusher in the NFL by a wide margin. He's forced the most missed tackles out of any running back on the season coming into this weekend. And you still let him go for 144 yards, five and a half yards per carry. I just, here's my, what matters most Trevor, the chargers after, and I know people are going to make injuries, injuries, injuries. This is the NFL. They didn't lose Justin Herbert for the year. I know he was playing hurt a little bit at once upon a time. The Chargers don't deserve to be a playoff team. They don't deserve it. I don't think they're particularly a well-coached football team. And they went into a fight today where the instructions were printed out on a sheet for them of what the Raiders are going to do against them. And they still lost. And honestly, the game wasn't even this close. Honestly. They don't deserve to be a playoff team after all of everybody thought they'd win the Super Bowl. This there was people that were like, they're they are my Super Bowl pick. Talented roster. I, I don't believe in this coaching staff right now, to be honest with you. 
well, that's my what matters most is um, are we, is, is Staley getting fired? And it's something that I scoffed at when people brought it up like a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I scoffed at it for a couple of reasons. I, I don't like when... I know it's a results-based business, but I don't like when fan bases are are quick to get rid of coaches that I feel like have good heads on their shoulders. Like, I think Brandon Staley is a smart dude. Like, I think he gets it. I really do. Does that mean that he's he's done everything perfectly? No, I don't. I certainly don't think that he has. And for a defensive guy to be as bad on the defensive side of the ball as the Chargers are, I mean, I think they're 28th in EPA per play on defense. I think they're 27th in EPA per pass. I think they're like 29th in EPA per rush. And that's on the defensive side of things, like giving up those kinds of points and those kind of metrics. So like the defense is terrible. Like the Chargers are one of the worst defenses in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. You can't totally write off injuries. You know, it could, because throughout the year you're missing, you're missing OT one, you're missing edge one, you're missing CB one, you're missing wide receiver one, you're missing wide receiver two. Uh, They lost Zion Nelson for a little bit during this game. So your quarterback's obviously been been beaten up. The injuries suck, and I don't think you could, you could just totally brush that off. No, they they are bad. Like the te- the team is bad, and and if Brandon Staley is not going to be fired, which I still lean, no, you shouldn't fire Brandon Staley. The assistants do have to change. Joe Lombardi's got to be gone. Um, the defense coordinator Ronaldo Hill. Both those guys are in their second year with the Chargers. I think you might have to move on from both of them just to kind of save your own job at this point. I like, I, again, I like Staley. I, I I do think that he seems to be somebody who is a smart football coach. I don't really understand how he was so aggressive last year and how he was so conservative this year. I don't know where that's really come from. Like, is Did the old break him? Yeah. But like it, sometimes, sometimes, you know, this, we've talked about this on this show Sometimes football at the highest level does not allow you to actually make the decisions that you want to make, right? We talked about Jim Irsay, the reports of him being like, hey, you have to start Sam Ellinger. And when the owner of the team tells the head coach, you have to start Sam Ellinger, guess what the head coach has to do? Start Sam Ellinger. And so I wonder if people from higher up than on than Staley's seat are basically like, hey, man, quit going for it on fourth down so much. What are you doing? Like quit going for it because it looks bad when you give people a conservative and traditional thing to point to when you have disappointing results. And for Staley, even though some of his decisions were very sound logically, if people above him don't really get that, they're just that's going to be the first thing that they point to. And they're going to be like, quit doing all this shit. Like, what are you doing? Like, we, we like, like be a real coach. And it's like, I'm trying, but. I don't know exactly what's going on with the dynamic behind the scenes. And I think a lot of that goes into this. So a lot of this conversation, that's kind of the breaking point that I, I don't ex- exactly know where it is. I don't think you should fire him, but I do think you got to make a change of coordinator because you can't go into next year with Justin Herbert having one of the lowest average depth of target of any quarterback in the NFL. Like that can't, that can't be the case. You can't go into next year being one of the softest run defense teams again. Like this just, it can't happen. So something's got to change majorly, but I'm not quite at fire steel yet. So that's my, that's my what matters. Yeah. You have to weigh what's out there. I mean, it's crazy on a day. We heard that Jim Harbaugh is going to get some NFL looks again. You got to weigh what's out there. (laughs) 
Well, I, I obviously you give him what's that? Indianapolis Colts is what I said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, throw thing makes makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. But you know, one quick note for the Raiders: some of their young defenders, including Trayvon Merrick, um, oh, solid yeah. today. These are yeah. these are tangible things. These are progress. This is a team that's supposed to be built on Devonte Adams, and it's unbelievable. Obviously, so maybe these wins do give them some momentum going into the offseason where they try to run it back with Carr. They try to improve where they're weak on defense and maybe get another piece for the offensive line, get Darren Waller healthy going into the year, find a way to keep Josh Jacobs, and maybe this gives them some life, which, you know, it, it was an awful start to the year for the Raiders, but they, you don't want to just dump on the Chargers and take nothing from the Raiders in this win. Because the Raiders do have an identity right now that's working. They do. And Josh Jacobs is going to get paid. You see this it running back class? I mean, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen Saquon, it. Saquon, Josh seen Jacobs. It. Oh, I thought you were talking about the draft class. No, 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 no. The free agent class. Which is also good. I wonder how much that's going to drive the price down. going to be fascinating to see. We're right. obviously going to cover yes. that and so much more yeah. throughout the rest of the league. That was our What Matters Most from Sunday. We'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of our takes. Give us your takes as well. Love to hear it in on, on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, uh, Connor J. Rogers. Uh, we love to hear it in the YouTube comments. Let us know. These are just our takes. We'd love to hear yours. That's what this show is all about. So, um, Connor, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, we will be back on in the middle of the week. Heavy draft talk. Like you said, might have something special for Thursday. Maybe we'll cooking, little, cooking maybe, with gas. Maybe we'll do a little rookie report on Thursday. I don't know. I, kind of I really like that. It's a good time to dive in and see where guys are at right now. It's been kind of, kind of jazzed about it. I know. I like it. I like it too. If you guys like it. it, let us know. If you want to hear that on Thursday, uh, Thursday's always kind of our flexible show. We we want to talk about what you guys want to hear us talk about, what you guys want to talk about as well. So again, let us know in the comments. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram. You can hit us up on Instagram as well, what you want to hear for Thursday. But next time you hear from us, it will be the Wednesday show all about the draft. We will update the draft order for you guys as it stands. Man, we're getting to the point where almost only a month left of the season. So we're getting, we're, we're finalizing. We are honing in on what that final draft order is. So every week that we do this, every week that we go over these scenarios, they become more and more more realistic with, with where these teams could be. We'll of course talk about some team needs, some team targets, all that good stuff. But uh, that's on Wednesday. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for joining to watch the NFL stock exchange podcast. We will see you again on Wednesday. Wednesday.